Did you know that it doesn't matter what size company you have, you can always be more equitable, inclusive, which in turn will make you more diverse? Last week, we talked to Julia Becker-Collins about some of the strategies she uses in order to keep a very diverse workforce. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, I invite you to do that but not before you listen to this episode with my sister, L'Oreal Noel, and me. Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone, sometimes I'm dining with friends, and sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. My sister and I came across the story of this young black woman who said that she had been racially profiled at Smith College in Massachusetts. Although our conversation stems from that story, we are in no way, shape, or form doing full commentary on what has happened at that college. We do not have enough information for that, but we do have enough information to be able to pull out some themes that are relevant to other companies and other institutions of higher learning. And those are the topics that we'll be discussing in our conversation today. All right. Hey, Lori. It is, it's always good to have you here. I think you're a big hit with the, with the listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe because I'm your sister. <laughs> it could be that. I don't know. We have this kind of synergy that everybody's kind of vibing with. So it works. It works for me. Great. Let's do it. Let's do it. So that's why I wanted to have you on today as we talk about, so you sent me this article about Mm. this young lady who's attending Smith College and who reported, who apparently felt that she had been racially profiled for being in a certain area of the college, right? And then you sent me the other article from CNN. So the first article was from the Daily Mail, which is in the UK. And I I don't know, I feel like it's a tabloid, but (laughs) then the other article was from CNN, which also talked about what happened with this student and what's happening on that college campus, but not just that college campus, but different college campuses across the country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I thought it would be good if we just kind of went into talking, well, we could start with this particular situation, but then we could kind of talk to our thoughts and experiences when it comes to reporting Mm. about incidents and you know things that things that happen right yeah <laughs> so let's start with this article so this article is this young lady her name is Omu I hope I'm saying it properly Omu Kanute Kanute mm. mm-hmm. Omu Kanute and she was sitting in the lunchroom because she had access to this this area that had been cordoned off for some student activity, some outside activity. And she had access. And so she was sitting there and she was reading and 
a janitor apparently and eating eating lunch lunch, right and a janitor apparently saw her Mm -hmm. and called police campus police and the campus police came and they you know questioned her and then she didn't she felt a certain way about the exchange right I think that there was actually a video that she took of the exchange but she felt a certain way about the exchange and she posted it on Facebook as, you know, look at, you know, how this is going. You know, people are racially profiling me. I can't even eat my lunch quietly. Just, you know, people coming and, and, and bugging me. And then, so after that went kind of viral, people got really annoyed. The school had a knee jerk reaction oh my gosh, let's do school president. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, let's do some training. Let's do this. Let's do that or whatever. And then I don't know, was it a few years later? I believe it was a few, this new article came out a few years later. I believe it, it resurfaced because um, somebody resigned from their position with the school citing racial, I guess, dis comfort as a white woman she felt that she was in a racially hostile environment that began with this incident of the black woman being profiled while eating lunch right Mm -hmm. and she felt that way because now all of a sudden there's all this training that everybody has to do and she didn't feel that she needed to do that or something I don't know and I and I think to be a, a little bit clearer the training wasn't when you say everybody, I think that's one of the issues. Mm-hmm. The training was specific. I, I can't say I know for sure, but it wasn't everybody. It wasn't like all the employees of the school right. or all of the security. I think it was specific. It may have been specific to the people who maybe in the departments that were involved with what happened in the previous incident. Right. So, so we're just going to use, we're going to just take that incident. We're not going to deconstruct that incident per se, but the incident highlights a lot of things that happen when racism is brought to the forefront and, you know, certain things happen. We can start with the thought of intent versus impact. We can start with that. One of the arguments that often comes up and one of the things that happens is that often gets knee-jerk reaction is, I feel like you did, you said that, like that was a racist thing to say, or I feel like that was really offensive to me. And then the first thing that comes up is, well, that's not what I meant to do. And then kind of brushing it away and moving on. Mm -hmm. As if what your intention was, is what's important versus how it impacted someone. To, um, well, I don't have to caveat it. That's very natural, culturally. Mm-hmm. Culturally for us, I, I can't say culturally the whole world, but culturally right. in the United States, it's part of our DNA to think about intent and um, not so much about impact. Right. If you think about the mantra of individualism, yes. right? That mm-hmm. in itself pulls away from societies that are more com- communal oriented when you're talking about communal spaces, it's always going to involve the impact on each person there. Right. So, right. I was just throwing that in. Yeah. So when we're looking at this case study, 
that mm-hmm. was one of the things that happened, right? It's like, there's, there's intent and there's impact. What happens is that intent can be informed by bias. Mm-hmm. It is formed, informed by, by bias. So when you're unaware of that bias that you hold and the intent and, and what you do, then, and someone says to you that the impact mm-hmm. was this to me, right. right? and you simply say, well, that's not what I meant to do, right? right? It becomes your word against mine, and it's very hard to prove someone's intent, mm-hmm. but and then and dismiss someone's and in, what the impact someone's yeah the impact on someone mm-hmm. the impact on someone else and so so it's really important when we're when we're looking at something like that when we're looking at intent versus impact to understand that there's a huge gap between the two and that when someone says to you that hurt me or you hurt me it is not for you to say, well, that's not what I meant to do. It's for you to say, oh, how? How did I hurt you and how can I do better? And this is not just, we're not just talking racially. We're talking about any relationship, right? Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. Even if I were to say to you, Lori, oh, that thing, you know, remember when you said X, Y, Z, that really hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. And if you said to me, well, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings when I said that and then mm-hmm. moved on, how is that, where does that leave me? And I think in that exchange, if we're talking about both people in the exchange, recognizing where we are right now in this country um, as just the full mental zeitgeist of what's happening in this country. And so recognizing that we both have to approach the situation with grace, even the person impacted. And what I mean by part of that is the person does have to say that was not my intent. They just have to say more, but they do have to say, you know, the, the, the alleged perpetrator does have to say my intent was not at all to hurt you. Now, I'm so sorry that it impacted you that way. How can I change it? How did that land that way? Because I don't even understand how it impacted you that way. How can we talk about it? But I do think it is important to talk about the intent because I know, you know, to be honest, where I am right now, I'm thinking like, oh, you all intend to, you know, (laughs) be crazy right now. (laughs) Y'all all trying to. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I, absolutely. I do think that it is important to say that it wasn't my intention, but you just can't stop there. You can't stop it there. You can't just say, well, that wasn't my intention. Sorry. And move on because the sorry means nothing or even what else, what else happens? Well, that's not what I meant to do. And I don't know why you think that I would think to do it that way. And that that's then what it's I was total defensiveness. Yeah. Then now the person who's been impacted now has to deal with your feelings and make you feel all in your feelings and try to make you feel better. Right. Right. So it's about getting us gaining a certain level of maturity in, in communication and saying, it wasn't my intent. I apologize for doing that. Help me understand how it impacted you and what I can do better. 
but not waiting for the other person, the person who's been impacted to say, oh, it's okay. Don't worry right. about it. You know, no, worry about it. Fix it. And, and right. let's do better. Right. I'll give you an example that happened to me in law school. It's a great example about how two sides to this racism and microaggressions and things of that sort, how they can butt heads and where you need to find grace to actually have a conversation. So there was this Asian guy, I don't remember specifically which country his lineage was from at the law school who I thought was very attractive. Mm. And he had bow leg. <laughs> and exactly, right? So <laughs> okay. I was like, wow, that is so sexy, yeah. right? And Sadie, you know, in our family, I don't know if that's a Haitian thing or if it's our family thing, but we were always like, bow legs are so sexy. Mm -hmm. And you, Sadie, have benefited yeah, from that. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll keep, keep it moving. <laughs> and so I said this to him. Mm -hmm. At some point, I don't remember the details. This was many, many years ago. And I said to him, I was like, ooh, I like your bow legs or something like that. And I remember he gave me a strange look and, and kept it moving. And I, I don't remember how the exchange went. But then I went and told two of my girlfriends what had happened. And one of the girlfriends, she's Black, African-American, and the other one is Hawaiian, Asian from Hawaiian background. And they both looked at me in shock, like, oh, I can't believe you did that. That's so fucked up. That's so rude. I can't believe that's like racist. What? And I'm like, I was a deer in headlights. I, was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, and I came to learn that bow legs was a stereotype that was used negatively towards Asians, towards Asian people, just like Really? Um, certain, just like you've seen some of the minstrel shows of, with Black people with the with the exaggerated lips and Red, things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you'll see um, things with regards to Asian people with like exaggerated buck teeth or something of that sort. Right. Apparently, bow legs was a part of that. Oh. I had no idea. Right. But I will tell you this. I remember it to this day because there are a lot of stories I don't remember. I remember yeah. it because I felt so bad. Right. But what I felt worse about was that my two girlfriends, I felt like they kept attacking me right. because I kept saying to them from my culture, it's a beautiful thing. I right. had no intent. Yeah. Right. Right. I had no intent. And I felt like they were attacking me as a person. And at right. that time, we weren't talking about, oh, I totally understand your intent, L'Oreal. Mm -hmm. But here is how it probably impacted, impacted. Right. And we didn't parse out that conversation. Right. So I left feeling like I was attacked as a human, as my character. Yes. My character was attacked. And I had no way to fix it. Mm -hmm. I had no tools, no way to fix it. I couldn't go tell him sorry. Mm -hmm. Because the way my two girlfriends had treated it, I had no outlet to fix it. They didn't right. give me an outlet. So right. I bring up this story to show, I'm not going to say that in a lot of times when you're talking about race, then, you know, if you're breaking it down perfectly between black and white, that, that the intent is going to be similar to mine. But in, in a general sense, the intent in terms of I didn't need to hurt you mm -hmm. is something that people feel all the time. Mm -hmm. And how do you deal with that? Mm -hmm. And you deal with it by parsing out 
what has actually happened Happened. so that now we can find grace and say that maybe that's not your character. That Mm. was an action. We all do actions every day that are not indicative of our character, but we made a mistake. We, or we didn't think through something, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I just, I like bringing up the conversation from both perspectives because I felt I've have felt both both perspectives. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, and that's not unusual, but it does have to be a place where both people are ready and willing to kind of parse that out. So if somebody brings it up to you, then they should be also ready to answer a few questions about why that, why the impact was what it was to, to you. And so yeah, I mean, I, I could have totally done the same thing, especially because I do have bow legs, right? right. And so mm-hmm. for me, it was just, it would just be, it would just be one of those things that I just say, right? And it's, so there in that situation also, it's not about bias. It's mm-hmm. simply about what happened at the moment and unintentional impact. Right. And, and it happens. And that's what people don't t- understand. Unintentional impact will happen. Right. I guarantee 100%. There's no way that everyone can know everything about every culture and every thing that has been that that is offensive to that culture. There's no way. Right. But right. what you can do is be open and willing to learning and understanding when right. something you have done has impacted a certain way, a, a person a certain way. Right. And right. not negating it as invalid because it didn't, doesn't impact you in the same way. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And a lot of times I feel that that's kind of the response. Well, that's not what I meant. I'm sorry and keep it moving. I don't understand why you would feel that way. Right. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you probably don't. <laughs> let, let, let me explain to you why. Okay. Right. So that was the first thing that I thought of when I read that in terms of, you know, intent versus impact. The second thing that struck me when I was going through that article was individually, we have knee jerk reactions. hmm to things like, you know, we know when we start talking about racism and things like that, it puts people right on edge. And there are a lot of instances where you can have a knee jerk reaction. Well, well, I don't think that that's true. Or, well, that person is a really nice person. I don't think that you should be, you know, talking about them that way. They, they didn't mean to do that. Or, you know, whatever it is, the knee jerk reaction that comes before the thought actually can come. Right. And I felt in according to what I read, that that's one of the things that happened institutionally Mm -hmm. with the school was knee jerk reaction. It was like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Without taking into consideration the nuances that were present, you know, in this whole situation. So what are your thoughts on that? Right. I agree. So my reading of uh, just a very large scale of what happened is she was sitting there, as you said, a janitor from across the way saw her and it was protocol 
for instead of him approaching her and asking her why she's there is protocol for him to call campus police who then came and questioned her. And I think a lot of times we would call that a microaggression where it's like, why is the police here? <laughs> and the impact, right, as mm-hmm. the Black person is like, this is really extra. This is and extra. you know that it doesn't happen with other people, the, the extra, the little yes. extra. And so, yes, so then she goes on to Facebook. And then from there, almost immediately, the school president, I think, puts somebody on suspension. Suspension. And then immediately apologizing to the Black women. And we're going to put, we're going to, you know, we're going to give all these people bias training and so forth. And it, from what I saw, from what I read, it seemed unexamined, which you know, is a knee-jerk reaction that I think we should expect to come along very often Yeah, coming in the future and in the near future because you have a lot of people on pins and needles who feel like, I don't know the right answer. Yeah. Although, I mean, my partner, no right. I, my partner and I, I mean, so my partner and I, we always talk about, well, just don't be a douchebag. But that aside, you know, just in a general <laughs> sense, People are walking around on pins and needles right now. And so I could very easily see someone who's accused of perpetrating an event, just wanting it to go away quickly and just wanting to just do the first thing that comes to mind. And unfortunately, as we adjust to a new normal, and we need a new normal, and as we adjust to a new normal, that's going to be a pitfall that a lot of people fall into. And unfortunately, as you said, in this case, it was on an institutional level. Yep. So it's it affected the whole institution and they're they're feeling the repercussions right now where right. where one of the things that seemed a little weird was that bias training was instituted for a particular group of people. And so they felt singled out. If you're kind of- interpreting it as, oh, you need racism training because you're racist. right and you know it's 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 like what you were saying you know it was how you felt that your character was was attacked right yeah it's the same thing you know they feel like their character is being attacked and so I have a whole other thought on that training thing but you can finish what you were saying (laughs) actually actually no that was that was mostly what I what I wanted to talk about so there, so there are two things I want, I want. Well, one thing I want to talk about right now. You said that it was protocol. Yes. At the school to do certain things. Right. If we examine protocol at many institutions, many of them are based in bias and racism. Mm. The protocols. Right. right. Because they do not take into consideration how it will impact marginalized communities It only takes into consideration the majority community that is, you know, that's present. And so they don't, so a lot of institutions actually really do need to review their policies, procedures, and protocols so that that is not something that's happening. So that you don't have somebody calling the police on a black person who's just trying to live. Right. Because here's the thing too, when I, when, when you said that, and I thought about it is that it may be protocol, but if she were white, might that janitor have gone up to her and 
bucked protocol. Is protocol a cover for, is it a cover? Yes. Is it because, just- because you think about, if you think about it, there are things that, you know, it's like, oh, well, this is how it's supposed to go. These are the rules that are in place, but you know what? I'm just going to, we're, we're just going to do this. Right. 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 Because, and so a lot of times what, when that back room thing happens, it happens among white people. Mm-hmm. And then the rules apply to everyone to else. To everyone else. Right. Right. So if you consider that maybe had she been sitting there, but she was a white person mm-hmm. and the janitor might have come up to her at that point in time, because right. we also know that our skin is our weapon. And so he might not have felt weird coming up to her right to her and saying to her I don't think that you're supposed to be in here because ABC and then she could have said oh okay I'm gonna go but when it's someone else then you right well the protocol is right right and that's what bias is about right yes that's exactly Mm -hmm. what bias that's exactly what it's about and that person will actually never know they would never realize that that's why they did it the way they they did it right yes Right. They wouldn't, which is why if there is something in place, it should be in place for everybody. Right. Right. It should be in place for everybody. But we know that that doesn't happen. That's why it's like there are laws that need to be made. But at the same time, we know that there are people who are going to buck those laws, who are going to, you know, not follow those those laws in ways that you would never imagine because. Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you don't have the biases or you don't even don't have the creativity you know (laughs) (laughs) that they have (laughs) so that was one thing my second thing was about training I have a really hard time when institutions go straight to training Mm, because like you said I feel like it alienates the employees it alienates the people that it's supposed to be helping Mm -hmm. because they're feeling as if well they're thinking that you know we're this I'm not that right I'm not racist I don't I don't do that right and unless they already have an idea that they have that they hold biases it's going to offend them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like right is that the is that the first thing you should and 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 I can tell you this like at least for when I worked in corporate. So that's, you know, over, I don't know, 15 years ago. Yeah. That, and I, and I think this is, it it might be a New York thing. It might be an American thing, but whenever there was training, there were certain kinds of training called soft skills training. Mm -hmm. And the people that I worked with, like my classmates, we call them classmates because we all started working in the same year. Right. There was this perception of, soft skill, they would call it soft skills training. There was this perception that it was not necessary, that you didn't need it, that it was like inferior to the other training. Like, oh, we had technical skills training and we have this and all of these things matter, but how you interact with the client, how you interact with your fellow colleagues, things that are appropriate to say and do in a professional sphere. Those were called soft skills. And when I tell you those were like the poo-poo, it was always like, 
or or it was it was just that thing that you could just skip like it was not important and that always caught me as a huge problem in in the corporate world this i because you had all these managers that were moving up the ranks people who were moving up the ranks going to manager being a director da, 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 based on their technical skill but they shit for managing and that's part of soft skills right, right? you have to know to how to actually interact with another human and, and do it effectively. And those are what they called soft skills. And so it was, a, I, it was a problem I noticed in the corporate world. And this gets lumped in the same thing when you talk about bias training. Uh, that's all I hear in two seconds. It gets lumped right in. Oh, we got all oh, racism training. Oh, okay. Like, I guess if yep. I don't have to go over on my lunch two hours, then I can maybe make it, you know, or can you send me the notes? Like, yes, it, it, it's just, yes. It is. Yeah, there are there are a lot of layers that feed the system. <laughs> yes, ex- exactly. <laughs> they do feed the system. And it's so true. Soft skills training are not is not taken as seriously as training that is directly related to the job that you're doing, mm-hmm. which is why in order for a company to actually make a difference, make a difference in their culture, Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. all needs to be tied into the job that you're doing. Right. It all needs to be tied into the outcome that is desired. Right. Right. So you have to create this culture. Right. You have to marry social responsibility in the corporate culture. You have to, have to, have to. Yeah. Have to. Right. That, I mean, was, that has to be the next evolution of the corporate world. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's, it's not, even, it's not reasons. a question <laughs> for all the reasons. It's not yeah. a question. It's definitely must happen because as more and more companies begin to realize the institutional racism that they have inherited, right? Mm-hmm. Because they've inherited it. They've inherited the ways of doing business that have been, that were very old and that were put into place. And that is what it was built on. Right. Mm-hmm. So when they begin to look at, you know, it's kind of like when people say, oh, well, why do you do it this way? And you don't do it that way. And oh, it's like that. That's how we've always done it. Right. Oh, you started like, doing that, that in 1920. answer. <laughs> I'm like, I never understand that response. I really don't. I re- it doesn't compute for me. Oh, like, you that's just doing the beginning that in- of a response because we've always done it this way. And, and have you always gotten the results that you want? And <laughs> have you reviewed it at all as things have evolved? Right. right? No, we've always done it this way. Really? Are we still getting the results we want? <laughs> I thought this conversation about us getting new Gross. results. <laughs> right. That's what this whole Gross conversation is about. Results. <laughs> you know, evolution. (laughs) So they have to examine the, we've always done it this way. This is how our company works. And, you know, I mean, here's a, here's an example. Henry Ford started Ford with black cars, all of his car. You could have any color you wanted as long as it was black. Had they continued that way, do you think that they would still be around? (laughs) Right. I mean, had they only said any color you want, except for it has to be black. And then another car company comes and says, hey, you can have any color you want. Like, really, any color you want. Who do you think people are going to go to? Right, right. So it's a matter of understanding the environment that you're growing in 
And this mm-hmm. environment is shifting and changing. The demographics are changing. Right. The mindsets are changing. And so you have to change with it. And mm-hmm. you have to take that big behemoth of a company. I don't, however big it is and however small it is, you have to take that company to a new culture mm-hmm. that will support this new endeavor. And that's not to say that you're getting rid of all the people that are there. It's to say that you are making clear what the company parameters are, where this company is going, why it's going in that direction, how everybody matters in this direction. And those who don't fit will naturally call themselves out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think what's necessary in this point in time is, um, and you've spoken about this to me before, is a growth mindset. Yeah. Right. You've spoken about the growth mindset versus the, I'm not sure what static, the fixed, the fixed mindset. And where we are as a society right now is if you're not willing to grow, you're going to have a lot more pain and, and you're going to hold the rest of us back from moving forward as a whole, as a group. But right now the growth mindset is necessary. And I think what's going to become more and more apparent is that people who have always thought of themselves as woke, as progressive, as such and such, they also will be required to grow. And they are going to be giving some of the pushback that we don't expect. Because it's one thing to say, I believe I'm this type of person. But if you're not willing to understand that you don't know everything, then you're going to be just as offended as the white supremacists, because you're going to take a challenge that you don't understand as a character assassination. Right. So you're going to be just as offended as the white supremacists. Right. And that's not who you are. You're actually not that person, but now you're going to get lumped in and you might even lump yourself in because you're so defensive, but that, but those, but that's not the facts of where you are. The fact is that we're all entering a space that we don't know, right. that we don't understand how it's going to work, how to adjust killing white supremacy. How do you actually move the needle of white supremacy? It's an adjustment and it's a painful adjustment for every single person, yes. but more so painful for those who don't have a growth mindset and who think that they're outside of having to have that mindset. No, I'm already a good person. So I don't have to. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I think think that's what's happening of the, with the Bill Mars of the world, but you know, we don't have to go there. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't watched Bill Mars in a long time, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, it's true. It's (laughs) yeah. You definitely have to understand. Someone asked me on a podcast, they said, what didn't you know before you started this that you wish you knew? Mm. And my answer was that I was always going to have to be learning something new. Mm. Constant learning. Right. So I do not. So I buck the word woke. I don't. Right. I don't go for woke because woke mm-hmm. is like an instance in time. And it's like a badge. Yeah. That, I have gotten right. here. I am, I am now woke. I am, I'm awake. Now I'm, I'm good. Yeah, now the work is done. <laughs> I am not. I realize that this work is not that. 
there is always something more to learn, always something more to adjust, so much to dig into because so many things work into each other. There's, like I said, there's no way for us to know everything there is to know about all the people we can offend and all the ways that we can and also be yeah offensive. and also as humanity moves forward right that in itself change in itself means that you have to continuously learn so yeah. you know the way that we interact today so much online is not how we were interacting 20 30 years ago right and so that changes Oh, now you have to be more careful about what you say online. Yep. You know, and thing is, when people say careful, it's not, oh, now you have to be more careful about your douchebaggery. No, no. It's that you always have to recognize your audience. Something that I say in front of my partner sounds different I sound, than when I say in front of somebody else. When I say in front of somebody else, I sound like a douchebag. When right. I say it in front of my partner, we're having a discussion and right. we know what we've had talked about before. We know what we're talking about after. And we also know the person's character. Yeah. Maybe what you said right now was out of pocket, but I know your character. Right. So I, I'm going to bring it up. We've done that before in my, me and my partner in conversations with each other. Where I said, you know what? I think when you say this, it doesn't, it's not going to land well anymore. Back in the day that used to land, but right. it doesn't really fit right now. Like it's actually, <laughs> it's actually not funny. Right. Anymore. Right. It's and there's a reason like watching- it's not funny because we've moved on from certain stereotypes and yeah. you know, bigotry is used a lot in comedy. Um, yes. But when it's unfunny, that means we've fully moved on. We've moved on. <laughs> right. Because there are certain, you know, TV shows or movies that you'll watch now and you'll go, Ooh, ouch. Like, mm, right. Right. We, we were watching this. We were listening like this was okay. Right. Right. And then there are some that we'll watch again and we'll go, wow, why are we still having this conversation in 2020? Like, why is this still relevant now? Right. Right. So it's not everything, but it definitely does. It has to grow past and you have to kind of go, yeah, no, we'll always be learning. We'll always be growing. Yes. And if we're not, then that's on us. Mm -hmm. That's on us. We have to always be learning, constantly be learning, constantly be allowing ourselves to grow. And businesses have to do the same. So businesses have to incorporate new cultures. They Mm -hmm. have to create Mm -hmm. these new cultures. And that's not to say it's going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, but it also has to come from the top down. It cannot be a groundswell up. It will never work that way. It has to be that that person up at the top says, okay, this is what needs to happen. And this is how these things need to correspond to this new culture that we're building. And we're going to support this by having someone that's dedicated to this. And we're going to support this by putting in the programs that are dedicated to this, right? right. It's going to cost time. It's going to cost money. And it's going to cost employees because you're, it's going to cost you employees. Some people are going to be like, yeah. I'm out of here. I don't get it. Right. I don't get it. I don't want it. I'm out. And right. other people are going to be like, great. But for me, I think equity and inclusion come before diversity. Mm-hmm. That's, that's mm-hmm. my feeling about it. There needs to be a culture of equity and inclusion where people's needs and people's voices are put, are important, 
no matter who they're coming from, and then diversity will follow. Right, right, right. You know? Agreed. Agreed. Diversity will follow. So, you know, as I was looking at this situation, that was, you know, some of those things were, were, were glaring at me. Like I was going, wow, you know, it's, it's always this, oh my gosh, what do we need to do? Oh my gosh. It's like putting out all these little fires all the time, instead of looking at the overarching, how's your institution doing with, right, 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 right. 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 Having- I mean, I, I got the impression that the school president started making decisions without even talking to right the person that was impacted right that's weird <laughs> right so you don't even know that's weird so, okay so but then here's where this falls into this here's where this falls in where people think they know you better than you know yourself oh i know she must have felt this way so i'm going to do this thing to fix that thing that i think that she mm. felt without taking into consideration the actual thing by talking to whoever is impacted, (laughs) right? And, you know, and that's one of the things that happens a lot is that a lot of times white people feel that they know so much. Remember, they woke. They know so much that now they feel that they want to speak for Mm. a marginalized person, a marginalized Mm. group, because they have all this information without ever actually talking to the person to see how it actually impacted that person. Right. Because honestly, I'm more than my black skin. Mm-hmm. My experiences are far more than my, just my black skin. So it may be impacting me not only because I'm black, but because of something else. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. it may not even be impacting me because I'm black, but because of something else. Right. But how do you know that if you're not talking to me and asking right. me, if you just think you just woke and you, <laughs> we're here and we know, and we're going to, you know, mm-hmm. it's the, it's the white savior thing mm. that that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yep. Those things, I feel like institutions, especially institutions of education, they need to set the pace in curriculum, in policy, in procedure, in protocol. They kind of need to set the pace for a changing world, right? They can't keep doing it the way they've been doing it. And I think, and I think something that I've heard you say before Instead of going directly to bias training or something like that, the first thing the person, whoever's at the top needs to do is go put themselves in training. Go start at the top. Top. Start at the top. Start with you, the president, my COO, my CFO, my this and that. The whole executive board is going to go do bias training. Right. You do it. Yes. You have the experience. You decide how it felt, how it impacted you, how, how worthy it was. Because also you might be getting a training that's not even, the trainer is not, not that what you want. Wild. Right. Right. They don't have the value that they thought, you know, you know, that they don't have the value that you thought they were going to have. And so you put yourself to it first and you see where the kinks are. Oh, I need to hire a new person or this person was great. Um, or this company was great, I should say. 
And then from there, now the whole executive brainstorm, okay, now how does this impact the institution, institution. that we're running? Don't yep. go try to fix in everybody else. Start right. with yourself <laughs> at the top. That's what that school president should have done. She, like, she should have been like, oh my God, one of my students suffered a microaggression. I'm going to go get therapy. That's what she should have done. <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true right from the top from the top down yeah so definitely that's how you change a you, culture that's how you change a culture that's how you change a culture that's what you're talking about that company that said oh our ceo was involved in the september 6th problems but that has nothing to do january with us 6th? i was like yeah, january 6th oh. that has nothing to do with us i was like oh my sure it doesn't but i don't want to go you know what let me tell you something y'all put out the wrong message you should have (laughs) said what you should have done was he was always crazy we kicked him out of the tower (laughs) (laughs) what you should have done was said our ceo was involved in the january 6th insurrection we have terminated him. The board has put him out. We are looking for a new leader and we are doing X, Y, and Z or whatever. Because, because I guarantee that man is at the top. Your culture is for shit. Right. Yeah. Because it comes from the top. A hundred percent. I mean. A hundred percent. We just freaking survived. A hundred percent. And I can tell you as somebody who runs a company that deals with sex work, Mm -hmm. it comes from the top. Yep. And it's not always easy. You have to take responsibility. We've had people in our company who didn't follow the culture that I was setting. Right. And if I didn't do anything about it, then you know what? That is the culture that I intend. Yes. But I had to get him out of the company Mm -hmm. in order to preserve what I knew was important in the culture of the company. Yep. Um, So I, from experience, yeah. If I allow it to happen, that's who I am. If that's (laughs) your CEO and that's what what he's doing, you're telling us who you want to work with. You yeah. just told us who you want to work with. You told us who you hire. Who you hire. Who you, you go told to us what kind of the top- water fountain, water bubbler. Who you go after work drinks what with. What kind of culture you have, everything. You just told us so much because you didn't act in a way that was decisively opposite to that type of culture. And right. so it's like, oh, you're just trying to put a Band-Aid on that bullet hole. I don't know if that's going to work, but you can try it. Right. Yeah. So that's it. I think that. I think talking about school institutions in general, but schools, it's going to be a very interesting thing to follow because like I'm also following right now the story about University of Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, in Austin, what they're going through with regards to their school song. Oh. And just watching these institutions having to, you know, just watching them dealing with their past and dealing with their present mm-hmm. and connecting the two. And it's just, it's not going to be, the adjustments are not going to be easy and they're not going to be obvious. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I would like to say they're obvious. Just get rid of that racist shit and get new, but it's not really it's that not, obvious. Yeah. And oh my gosh, in uh, at the University of North Dakota where Travis went, their mm-hmm. um their mascot was an uh, Native American. Mm. Uh, uh, what were they? The Chiefs? Something I don't remember. And a few years ago, they were in the process of trying to change that because something came up and now they were like, oh, we got to change. Oh, right. Yeah. But there was a, a stadium, hockey stadium that had been built for them by this man. And this man passed away, but he left the money for it, stipulating that they never change the mascot or the whatever it was. Wow. Like, wow. So they were really having to, so they had legal shit to deal with because, right. because it wasn't just, okay, we really need to change this. It was like, okay, we need to change it, but we also need to Doesn't make that sure that we can keep question though. Like why, why? as long as they keep, why? Them? Yes. Because there had been murmurings, I think before he passed on, right. About right. That the need to change that and that it was, you know, it was right. So even that, more so, so pointedly. Yes. Pointedly, right. And, that, and that's, and that's exactly what's happening at UT Austin. Is it mm. UT? I don't know if it's T UT. They're very careful about how they, you know, say their school name correctly. So I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend anybody, <laughs> um, but <laughs> because right. those are two different schools. Right, <laughs> right, right. What was I saying? Oh, yes. That was one of the things that came up was that donors started threatening that they're going to pull money. Right. Um, and that's at the end of the day, that's their go to. It's been it's been the go to forever. Yep, yep. Right. Well, let's use our money. money. If you've got let's money, then money you can buy. to redline to this, to that, you to, to buy people. But they're dying off. You can buy it. Yep. But they're but they're dying off. Not to say there's not a new generation of right you because know, you know they raised like, some kids too. Right, but I will say a good chunk is yeah is becoming irrelevant. Right, we could we could get into a whole other thing because it just blows my <laughs> mind that people that people would be so invested, so invested, in, right, in making sure that. There. But I, but I understand it, Sadie, because it's their identity. It's saying, or or let's say, let me let, let, let me correct it. It feels like an attack on their identity, right? And so that's their perspective. Right. Is that if I don't have this, I don't have me. I don't have anything, right? And so that's why it's such a fervent fight yeah. because it's it is kind of existential to them. But it's like. If you just turned your head a half a quarter, yeah, 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 yeah. and changed your perspective, you would see a whole new world. Whole new world. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. But you you get in and yeah. I swear, I learn stuff every single day that makes me go, whoa, how come I didn't know that? Right? Right. And not just about Black culture people, but about just a lot of things, the, the, the way different words, phrases, names, 
places, you know, just so much stuff when as long as I, you know, as being a sponge that I'm being now trying to take all this information, I'm learning like so many different things. And I go, man, you know, but yet there are people out here who think that they just know. And that's it. That's all they need to know. They know everything they need to know. And and they're good. Right, right. And I'm very insulted for you to tell me that I need to learn something more. Learn something new. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all so you know, they're, the, the schools are going to have to start for sure. They're, they're definitely going to have to start and be better. And as the companies, more companies are getting into the flow of, of not just performance, being performative about it, but actually being concrete about it. Yeah. And I think these schools too, I don't, I don't know the behind the scenes of what they're doing, but I would venture to say that one thing they should be careful of is not just to consult black students or students of color or just students is my point. Yes. They really need to, if there are professors there of color who, you know, who have a certain perspective, they really need to not just have just the student perspectives. Right. It should be a well-rounded perspective and have different groups because campuses are made up of so many different groups. And so, yeah. But also because I find that younger people, generationally, we all think differently, but all the generations are being affected, right? Even though the student is the one currently being affected, every, every, every generation is being affected. So I think the conversation that a student might have might be too far out of the realm for the other stakeholders in the issue. Right. So that's why you need different generations of stakeholders yeah, to talking translate. about. Yeah. Yeah. To translate. <laughs> you need translators at every generation. So yeah. this generation speaks to that generation. That generation says, yeah. Oh, I got you. And goes to the next one. And the next one goes, ah, yes. And then goes, yeah, you know, on up and up and in through because I can see very plainly that the younger generation, you know, they their perspectives on race are 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 different than mine and and different in a sense of just at their core and their at their cellular level because they've grown with different a different environment. Environment, yep. Yeah. So yep. I I fully respect that. And I also know that we need to all, you know, yeah, we have to be translators for each other. Well, do you have any final words for our audience, Lori? Because I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> I don't. I guess I, I guess one thing I would like to say, the, the story that we were talking about from Smith College, I do want to point out that Sadie and I haven't delved into the story because it really, our conversation really wasn't about that person's unique story. And so I just want to apologize if it comes off as we're not doing justice to, to that student's story or to right. the college story. Um, it really wasn't about them in particular. We were pulling out some subject matter that we thought would be interesting to talk about. So yeah. I definitely don't want to disrespect what happened in that situation and right. the people that it happened to and that and people who still are you know, engaging with that and, and having, you know, their life uprooted in different ways by it. So mm-hmm. I just want to put that out there. 
yeah, we just want to make sure that people understand that there are a whole lot of different things that can be affected with even just one situation like that. There are a whole lot of things mm-hmm. that, that come into play. And, um, but yeah, we certainly don't want to speak directly to that situation because we don't know enough about that situation. Right. And so we don't want to make it sound like we're downplaying right. any, anybody, any, any impact anybody. to anyone right. in that situation because right. everyone's experience is their own. And, um, and we don't know about it. <laughs> we don't know enough about it. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. We will, uh, I'm so glad that you did this with me and we will be again real soon. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, please be sure to subscribe, download, rate, review, and share. It would also mean the world to me if you became a patron over at Patreon. The information is in the show notes. Thank you and we'll see you next time.